Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the programme for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're watching a rom-com. Nay, one of the most popular rom-coms of all time, as it turns 30 years old. We are watching When Harry Met Sally. Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen When Harry Met Sally, it's Andrew David. Hello, I'm back. You are back. Can you keep me away? No, no, certainly not for um, a late 80s rom-com. Uh, yep, my favourite, favourite genre for sure. Excellent. So um, what do you know about When Harry Met Sally? I know about the infamous diner scene. Mm-hmm. That's it. Cool. There's someone called Harry in it. I assume someone called Sally. Mm-hmm. And imagine. they meet. They presumably at some point at they a meet. time. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat as you because I've mm. never seen this film either. Um, and again, it's kind of a. I know the dinosaur scene. I know it's got Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. So Ooh. I'm. I'm kind of like. The, you didn't even know that. You're like, oh, oh really? Ooh, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like it's, you know I love Billy Crystal. I think Meg Ryan's great. So I'm kind of like I think this film's going to be in safe hands. But likewise. I have no idea. So let's uh, turn our attention over to our guest who has seen the film the and is very excited to be oh. here. It's Kate Willoughby, everybody. Hello. I'm also back with Andrew Davis. Yes, the dream team. Yes, dream team. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I never, I didn't actually say this to you beforehand, but when, um, for a little behind the scenes chat, guys, uh, <laughs> I tend to message the guests to say, are you available? And then when they've agreed, I'll say, oh, you're on with this person, by the way. You both independently sent me yeah getting the dream team together oh, type yeah. messages which <laughs> i thought so in sync We're yeah in sync it was beautiful so um whilst being in sync though mm-hmm. kate uh you have seen this film oh, whilst andrew film. hasn't so what is it about this film that you love um well first it's the i think one of the i think it's the best um romantic comedy of the 20th century i hope like i only say 20th because i want more stuff to be better than this because it is of its time yeah um it is every romantic comedy from the 90s 80s and 90s that exist it is because of this movie and every movie has tried to capture Mm. what this movie is about um it's uh nora efron wrote it um Mm. one of the co-writers um it's amazing it's a it's about a romantic comedy from both the male and the female perspective as well Mm. which is really cool and also it's just about friendship it's like funny great acting great chemistry but at the end of the day it's about um friendship and moving on and how that can develop more while a lot of the other uh, traditional romantic comedies are very much like they've known each other for 24 maybe 48 hours and they're in love like this Mm. is like you're in it for the long haul, baby. All right, you get to see them get to know each other. That is the one other thing I know is that it's over the course of a couple of years or something and they keep coming back to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you meet them, I won't give the years, but it's like I think by the end of it, they've known each other for about 10 years. Okay. 10 to 15 years. I can't remember from the top of my head, but hmm. they've known each other for a long time. Hmm. Um, Which you're right, is, is uncommon in a lot of the traditional rom-coms. It's mm. more, 
young fleeting romance and yeah. then that's who you are with forever yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. cool um and when, it's hilarious when did you last watch this film um i've been wanting to rewatch it i've been having the itch to rewatch it for a couple of months so when you told me i was like okay i can't watch it because <laughs> i want to rewatch it again um but i'll at least bare minimum i'll watch it once a year hmm. um so it's like one of those movies where i'll be like i just want to sit i just want to watch when Harry Met Sally, um, especially thanks to uh, streaming services. I had I have a DVD of it mm. as well, but I don't have a DVD player anymore. But I can't seem to part with the DVDs I do have. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's When Harry Met Sally and Dirty Dancing, those are like my two chick flicks mm. that I will always go back to at least a couple of times a year. So Excellent. All right, well, I think it's time to watch the film. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes, yes. let's do it. Dream team, dream team. <laughs> dream team. Dream team. All right, for those of you listening at home, uh, pop in your DVDs and prepare to have what she's having as we watch When Harry Met Sally. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching When Harry Met Sally. And by we, I, of course, mean Kate and Andrew. Hello. Hello. We're still here. Yes. Andrew, your first time watching When Harry Met Sally. Yes. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. Yes. It's a very funny film. The dialogue's amazing. Yeah. Um, It's so archetypal. Archetypal? Archetypal. Thank you. But that's because it helped codify a lot of those archetypes. Mm. So it is very int- I like watching old films like this where you can see how where a lot of things were de- uh, derived from. Mm. Yeah. Um, Kate, this was your first time watching it in a little while because obviously it's your one of your go-to yeah, films. Yeah, and I haven't watched it with people that haven't really seen it. Like if I've watched it, it's been with like say your girlfriend, and we've both watched it because we mm. enjoy it. Um, but I've never watched I've never watched this movie with like two dudes <laughs> that mm. have never seen it. So it's very interesting. Like. You, everyone chuckling and like laughing. Yeah. And first couple of minutes, I was like, "Yes, got him. Mm. It's it's good." <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I I will just throw it out there. This is a brilliant film. Yeah. It's brilliantly written. Um. I. The acting's amazing. The acting is amazing. Yeah. It's. I really. I'm struggling to think of anything that I dislike about this And here's film. the thing. A lot of people don't see it as like a film. Like they go, oh, it's like a... And it is. That's why I said it's one of the best romantic comedies in the 20th century. Like, mm. But the thing is, is that it's a great movie. And I think I sort of... I think romantic comedies do get sort of looked down upon or chick flicks and that kind of like yeah. films. But I mean... But, yeah, there's a lot of like interesting cinematography and just great film craftsmanship in this film like all mm. the cross uh cross talk scenes i have with different people on phones talking to each other yeah. harry and sally in bed with the cross faded bedroom yeah mm. um it's all like simple techniques but with the dialogue and the characters and the way it's shot it just works really and well every mm. scene has a purpose like when you see them the first time their dialogue shows who they are as characters it's like the whole movie is about showing not telling yeah like you know you know who they are when you meet harry and sally at the start you know exactly who they are and like they start like the second how they grow and and how they change as people but also how every time you see them you know he's making out and the next time you see her she's got a relationship and um and even in the diner scene the first time when they met she he made her feel very uncomfortable because this idea of oh say, like public place very embarrassed. Mm. Yet the next time in the scene, she's a more confident woman, mm. and she's the one that's showing him that's going like you, you're talking about how much 
you knew about sex when you were like 21, but here we are in our 30s and I'm like, I'm showing you. Yeah. Like, so you see the, the relationship, like every scene has a purpose. Which, yeah. yeah. I mean, the two central characters, Sally and Harry, are fantastically written and fantastically performed. I want, I want to start with Sally, mm-hmm. um, uh, the played by Meg Ryan. Just, I mean, they're both incredibly fascinating characters, yeah. but it's, this is a pretty pretty special performance by Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's this, this was the movie that really... I mean, the reason she was in romantic comedies was because of When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Like, it, she does an amazing performance here. Yeah. There's a lot of aspects of this film, and a, a lot of this is sort of tied up into Meg Ryan. Uh, a lot of this film reminded me of Annie Hall, the Woody Allen film from about 12 years previously. I have never watched Annie Hall no, because I don't... Like Woody Allen. That's fair. I, I watched it. I was on a plane uh, and I went, you know what? I've never watched Annie Hall. This was about four or five years ago. Mm. So I watched it. And Annie Hall is... I mean, we'll get to it on the podcast one day. Uh, but it's it, it's got a similar... It, it's got a similar sort of, I, I suppose, structure in that. It's about a man and a woman and their relationship. And we see some jumps in time and you've got the the comparison specifically is that the the Annie Hall character um feels a little bit like the character of Sally in this um just in terms of it's it's a young female character who's got a lot of um kind of self-confidence they they're quite different as i guess as people mm. but in terms of the archetypes and also in terms of this is a relationship film with a lot of walking and talking around New York um they they do kind of have similarities there. I will say that when Harry met Sally in the immediate afterglow of watching it, I think is a better film. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting one though. Um, I, I mean, Annie Hall. It was obviously it's tied into to Woody Allen, and he was it was one of his better films. I feel it was one of those ones where he was kind of pushing and experimenting with what it is to do comedy well, on film, and did a good job. But this this doesn't feel as though it's someone being clever this feels genuine well the it thing just feels is, like watching people well the, yeah. yeah the thing is is that and i've never watched the film like i said but um i do remember this article about um the reason is to thank the film is not actually woody allen but the editor of oh, the yeah. film mm. so and i think maybe google it i think the editor was a woman um that they had they saw the final cut of the film of what woody allen wanted to do yeah and they were like, "This is not this working. is trash." So <laughs> they that, said they didn't like, of, and they did a yeah. lot of editing, cutting of how to change stuff, to change the story. A lot of to... films uh, end up like that. Uh, yeah. like, a lot of editors are women, and they tend to save a lot of films. Like the original mm-hmm. Star Wars yeah. was uh, a complete mess before mm-hmm. uh, Marsha Marsha Lucas got yeah. a hold of it. Yeah. The yeah. the editors for Annie Hall were Ralph Rosenblum and Wendy Brickmont. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it was just. I mean, we'll, we'll, but again, I've never watched yeah. that film, so I'd have to like watch yeah. and actually see. I, I would agree with that because I think um, it, it was just something. Whilst it was specifically, it was the shot of autumn in New York with Harry and Sally walking through the park, and the mm. way Sally's dressed is very similar to how Diane Keaton is dressed as Annie oh, yeah, Hall I've in one scene, her, like that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and it was, it does feel as though what um, the director Rob Reiner and what um, the film has been doing here is evoking that film which came before it. Maybe, yeah. Um, but also being a very different film. Sally um, has a, quite an interesting arc, really, from from where she starts to where she ends up. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it was kind of... I, I found myself in scenes more interested to see how she was going to react or what she was going to do because I kind of felt like we knew Harry from the first scene. Harry had a pretty obvious through line. It was still good seeing it, but it's like yeah. he starts off as a complete tosser. Mm. Uh, he's like a, a uni student who's done one philosophy class and thinks he knows everything about everything. Mm. Yeah. And then over time he mellows out and becomes a more well-rounded human. And you kind of saw that where that was going from the beginning. Yeah. Whereas Sally, uh, it, yeah, it could have really gone anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I liked, I mean, Meg Ryan's like voice choices and stuff to show mm. how she got older, like making her voice going deeper, which does happen with age and stuff like that. But I think the big crux for that relationship and for her development was when they had that fight out the front of uh, their friend's place when their friends mm. were like moving in and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he's saying that you never get upset by anything. And mm. it was sort of this... Um, where he's very emotional on his sleeves, yet he makes fun of... Uh, funnily enough, he's the character that shows everything yeah. like emotionally, yeah. while she's very guarded mm. with what she shows. Um, and it was great seeing that scene and actually seeing her get frustrated and angry and mm. stuff. Like She's got that undercurrent of emotions throughout the whole film, and which was we, amazing to watch. I think that what that also does is it then sets up for when her former partner Joe is getting married mm. she shows herself being fully emotional to Harry yeah, um, yeah that's in, a real turning point for yeah. the characters at that point yeah um, Andrew this is a very funny film yes uh, I think um, you and I uh, Kate obviously observed this were, were laughing within the first five minutes easily. oh so quickly the, the, the dialogue is so good and it, yeah it's yeah. so witty but it doesn't it feels very natural hmm. and uh, I, I was wondering at one of my, my final note on in my notebook is Carrie Fisher script doctor probably which um, I assume she yeah. yeah Carrie Fisher known for getting her hands on a lot of scripts and helping Feels edit them very much in line with her comedy yeah, yeah. Um, and the character that she's playing in this film um, of, of Marie probably my favourite part of the film she's she's yeah. excellent it reminds me a little bit of a role she would then play a few years around the same time actually in Drop Dead Fred uh, where she plays this best friend character who is um, kind of similarly just a bit of a scene stealing laugh riot yeah what I really liked about what Carrie Fisher's character did in this film though was I wasn't expecting the relationship with Jess with um, Harry's best friend yes. yeah when, when they, were, Didn't they had the, those spoilers. the dual scene of them each setting up the double date and then at that point I'm like oh this is I know exactly what's going to happen and it's going to be amazing and yeah. I'm so glad they stuck together because a lot of the film is very the best um, friends in the relationship cynical. it's very yeah. cynical about mm. relationships especially from Harry's point of view mm. it was great to see that their relationship just worked well what I liked about it is they also showed that like Harry and Sally they're the couple that they've got something, but it's this, there's something there, but they don't mm. really want to take that step because they're comfortable where they are and they like their what they've got. Yeah. And is that fear of the unknown. While like these are the characters, the best friend sort of tropes, where they saw what they had and they just ran with it. They were like, mm. yup, I like you, you like me, we're going to run in this taxi, yeah, yeah. we're going to move we in together. I was going to call it tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they just run <laughs> off. Like, because yeah. I think it was like they knew what they had, they saw that. And yeah. they, well, I guess the juxtaposition of Harry and Sally, where they knew what they had, but it was, you know, it was interesting seeing the different relationships. But even though Harry is cynical, all the relationships in the movie are good. Like, even the husband and wife 
friend you know she you don't i can't even don't even know her name she was the redhead at the start that was like you need to get married and then yeah. their game oh, night the one she friend was with the there kid. alice one yeah. friend with the kids and then at the end of the film it, you they're, know, they're still there together. They're still there mm-hmm. and they're having a great time at the New Year's party. Even yeah. though Sally used her as an example of an unhappy marriage, like all these relationships around her are actually quite healthy. Mm. Yeah. I think it is really interesting how it depicts a wide variety of relationships. Um, and it's almost as though through Harry and Sally we see that we see those relationships that don't work. You know, with Harry it's that he gets married and then gets divorced and it's really uncomfortable for him with with Helen. Um with Sally we see her with a couple of different guys here and there and it doesn't quite work out um Mm. and it's in a way it also partly again it's the new york setting and uh and maybe some of the the time period stuff it feels slightly precursory to seinfeld as well where your main characters do have these relationships with almost kind of like guest stars or like one-off characters because they very quickly fall away because a lot of what they do is to help inform the characters that we care about. Yeah. Um, and I just thought they were used really interestingly, particularly when, uh, towards the end of the film, when they're playing charades at yeah. Jess yeah. and Marie's. Ba- baby talk, that's a thing. <laughs> um, when, But when they've both gotten together with other people. And then they're immediately gone. Like, the next scene, they're, not, they're never mentioned again. Yeah. yeah. But also the fact that, like, they, Harry and Sally talk to their best friends separately and are kind of, like, talking about the other's relationship. About how, like, oh, do you think they're really good? Like, she's too young. Mm. Um, and I love the scene yeah, of realising that the to. cake that she had brought to the party was that was the woman's cake. Mm. When she was like, that's Aunt... Whatever her name is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and she yeah. was bringing out the yeah. cake and she was like, what? Like, the cake that mm. she had brought to this party and yeah like that but the whole point again is that they're great people mm. like their respective partners their friends are like yeah no they're really nice they're really great yeah, and the other ones the they're like one. oh i don't know are they though like yeah. yeah well i think i think ultimately it's i was absolutely rooting for that central relationship oh, which, you wanted which, them to which is always you know a good sign in, yeah. in a rom-com and it's like the premise of the film but like from the very beginning you're like oh, i i'm I'm so invested in seeing how these characters grow to a point where they end up together. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Funnily enough, in the uh, the original ending, they didn't. Oh. They stayed friends. Mm. Um, Which the... is actually more reflective of Annie Hall. Uh, mm. Spoilers for Annie Hall, but <laughs> that's kind of what happens yeah, there. Yeah, um, and the audience didn't. did not like mm-hmm. it, and so they redid the ending so they do end up together. Um, but... Yeah. I and this is where debate comes with certain people, but I I like that they end up together. Anyone you want to call out? No, it's fine. Uh, he <laughs> knows who he is. Um, Hi, Hawk. Hello. <laughs> um, but like I like it because again, it's that audience. You know, so it's like to shift, like you know, twist their expectations. But when you see the film, you're like, cool. How, like you just said, how are they going to grow as people to end yeah. up together? Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts off with all these interviews with all these husband and wives that have been together for. 25, 50 years. Yeah, are those actors? They are actors. They are actors. But they are actors who are saying uh, lines taken from real interviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I thought was really Mm. cool. So it was that idea of these are real people and a real story. and, And it does. Like, I think if they didn't end up together, you'd be like... What? I would have been actually quite upset had they not ended up together. I was absolutely going for... No, but... They they created, I guess, a sort of a codependency that kind of falls back on the ultimate central question of the film, mm. with the the thesis statement, which is men and women 
uh, cannot be friends because sex gets in the way. Yeah. Which arguably, though it's a really great central point of the film, 30 years on, I think socially feels quite outdated. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think sure. it was probably a concept. I mean, it's a concept that was untrue then, but within your sort of mainstream media, I think it was a fantastic question to be asking at the time. And part of the reason why I think this film works so well is it really explores that heteronormative relationship and how that works. Mm. Now, sure, 30 years on, there probably are people that feel that way, um, where it's like, oh, you know, can't, oh, can't be fr- as a, speaking as a man, like, oh, I can't be <laughs> friend with chicks because, oh, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, but I would also say from my own personal experiences, and I'm guessing from both of your own personal experiences as well, that that's not necessarily as true or true at all anymore. I don't think so. I mean, again, the movie was based around, it was made in the 80s, but it was based through like the late 70s to the mid 80s, like their relationship. Mm. And I think you had like a a new wave of um, feminism going on. Like there was this discussion about gender, but things were changing between men and women at that time. And I think that was an actual proper discussion because Mm. women were starting to be more of an equal footing. So what did it actually mean for relationships? And I think now 30 years on, and I think that's why when people go, you know, oh, this this film is dated because it does show that. And I guess it, sorry, it, I think even now that term like friend zone, like people would look at Harry and Sally and go, see, like you're yeah, stuck in the friend it did, zone. It can, or, you can definitely read it in that way. Yeah, yeah, or like, well, they were only waiting around so he could sleep with her. Like that sort of, I think the language about men and women being mm. friends, only wanting to get into a relationship does have more of that like, mm. or um sort of vibe yeah and i i think the, the i think the great thing about what this film does is i don't think it gives you a definitive answer one way or another but yeah. it kind of explores that topic really well um yeah. i think that opening conversation that they have where he's where they're in that cafe for the first time and he goes you know you're quite attractive um and <laughs> and they have that whole discussion about what that then means like can you be can um man be friends with an attractive woman or a woman be friends with an attractive man can you have friendship when there is um a like a an attraction there and then that conversation develops further on and ultimately gets to the point where they can't be friends because they have to get together that's how harry sees it um is that he makes that realization and says that in his um declaration of love to her at the new year's party that Essentially, he's stating, I can't be friends with you because I love you and I love that you do this and I love that and I've realised that I want to make this commitment uh, to to be in to be with you for the rest of the rest of his days. Yeah. And it really tied in nicely to his discussion of mortality in that first scene as well, where he's talking about death. And he says, you know, if, you want, if when you figure out you want to be with someone for the rest of your life, you want the rest of your life to start. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's very cleverly constructed well he was the guy that always reads at the end of the book just in case he dies so he knows how it ends yeah Yet, yeah which you see him doing later in the film uh, later on his film which is amazing but it, it goes back to yeah this character of yeah i guess sort of wanting to know how it all ends but i guess fearful of he's the most fearful of the unknown mm. um and and wanting to jump back in and, and wanting the relationship to be the same because he did have they both had it together, like that closeness and, and bond that he didn't realise how much he'd, you know, messed up until it was too late and, yeah. Mm. I also think that, that the commentary within the film can kind of be read as uh, 
the the writers possibly going to say that that kind of catch-all statement can't be applied to all relationships because mm. throughout the film you see all these different relationships and they keep making generalist statements about the nature of man and woman mm. and relationships as a whole but then when it comes down to it it's about two people and how they interact with each other it, it's not you can't generalize these things at all mm. and i think yeah. the film does a good uh, job of showing that yeah i mean when she was saying all oh, my married friends with kids well i mean my one girlfriend. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the movie is full of like, this is what relationships are. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this is the common knowledge, but it, you can't apply it to every scenario. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I also like how it moves, um, you know, a lot of romantic comedies try to, and this is try to copy this and try to get the heart of what this film was about. And that's why I say that this is a really good, it's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful romantic comedy, but it also goes against at the time it went against what a romantic comedy was, mm. or I mean, it defined that term, or I guess or what a romantic film was. Um, because if this was a romantic comedy, the story wouldn't be the 12 and a half years that they knew each other. It would mm. be their trip from university to New York. And by the time they got to New York, They'd they were in love, love right? Yeah. Like that is, if that movie, you know, if someone saw a script like that today, that would be the movie. Mm. Or the movie would be focused on Harry, who likes to play around, and then when he comes to New York, he falls in love and he gets married yeah. to his first wife. That would be the romantic story. You know, like, mm. so there's different, you see different sections in the movie that have these romantic story comedy tropes mm. that they're actually going up against. They're like, no, it's not about, that's not the real love, that's not the real relationship. You're mm. seeing these people grow and seeing something later in life. Just to get completely personal with ourselves and, this doesn't have to end up in the episode if you don't want it. <laughs> but in terms of with relationships that you have previously had or are currently in, um, do you feel as though any of those relationships have been like the central relationship in this film where you were friends with the person or you had this sort of ongoing connection for a period of time that then became a romantic entanglement? Um, well, for me, I'm the uh, 25-year-old that has not been in a relationship. Hello. Uh, yeah, I've never been in, like, I've never been in a relationship. I, I did not know that. No, I've gone on dates. I've never. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've, you've done the dating around thing, like, like Marie was trying to get Sally to do whenever she was single. Another little uh, pocket book. No, I guess in the modern, <laughs> the modern adaption, I think the closest one I had was, like, maybe two or three years ago, and it was, like, hanging out, quotation marks. That's right. the modern, and I hate it. Yeah. We're just hanging, hanging out. out. Yeah. No, I think what this has been a couple of dates. Oh, no, I mean, we're just hanging out. Mm. Um, um, but I've never actually done a relationship thing. And that's why it's another really interesting thing for me mm. of watching romantic comedies and something like Harry Met Sally is I have to be very aware of it not to warp my brain because mm. in my, in my thing, I want a relationship based off friendship. Like I want, mm. yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a friend that I hang out with now, but mm. like I, I want, I find it very weird when I go on an app and then I meet up with someone because the purpose of that is a date. The purpose is this is a romantic situation. And mm. I'll be like, but I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. And I find that very mm. awkward. Well, when I would watch something like When Harry Met Sally, it was about these two people that got to know each other and had that chemistry, but that wasn't something that was looming over them. It was mm. just sort of something that happened. And I think that's something that I've always thought would be nice to do but yeah most relationships i've had have started off as friendships to begin with mm. um uh in my younger days when i was a 
not as wise and grizzled as I am now, mm-hmm. uh, I, I on a couple of occasions kind of jumped the gun on that. Like, go from the French and be like, oh, there could be something more, and then it, it's not. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I find the healthiest way to get into a relationship is to start as friendships mm-hmm. um, and then have it develop. Mm. Uh, for myself, um, the the relationship of being friends first and then becoming uh, partners is exactly how uh, I got together with my current partner, Ellen. Because um, uh, we were friends for quite a few years. Um, most of that time she was with somebody else as well. And during that it wasn't as though we met and I went, aha, I will now slowly pick away over years and then she will be mine. It was more, we were friends for a, a, quite a long period of time. And then we made a realization several years in where we went, oh, oh damn, we, we quite like each other. Mm. And the relationship then sort of happened from there. And I've not seen many romantic comedies or stories that really reflect that. I think one of the other films that we did earlier this year, which sort of reflected that in a way, but a lot more in the traditional rom-com sense, was The Wedding Singer. Yeah. Where the Adam, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore characters, yeah. they establish pretty early on that they actually have a friendship yeah. that then becomes a romantic entanglement. Uh, but that falls more into your very common rom-com tropes of there's an antagonistic boyfriend slash girlfriend force yep. which this film doesn't have yeah it doesn't have that the no. force the forces each other and it's just them not and they're their yeah. own baggage that they each have yeah and you know the one they run into helen once and it's mm. awkward and weird and it, it drives harry up the deep end for a mm. little bit but it's not like Helen's just wandering around. She's not the like, evil. If it was a, that wrong conniving. con, I'm an evil ex. Oh, yeah, she'd yeah, be so. like stopping him getting to the party because she knows he's going to declare his love and all that kind of. Yeah, nonsense. or she's just a bitch. Yeah. Even though yeah. you get the, you know, like that kind of. You got a vibe that she was kind of like. You felt. I think we felt like she was a bit of a bitch just because we liked Harry so much at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I have to say, Billy Crystal is amazing in those scenes post meeting Helen. Yeah, where he that, just kind of blanks out for a bit yeah. and yeah. then like slowly winds up until he bursts. Yeah, yeah when he's I, like looking out the window and he's and everyone's just talking and you just saw that yeah. that switch where he's like I I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like But it, but it felt like he, he it felt like a really accurate portrayal of someone who had been damaged by their relationship. Mm. And we kind of don't really get that with Sally. The only time we really see that is when she's upset that break, Joe's getting married. Down. Yeah, but the, but I feel that's more that's more her being upset at herself for not for having this like conception that she wasn't good enough for him to marry. Yeah, well, I mean, what was great with her is that like you know when he'd always be like you're depressed and she'd be like no I'm not, but you would see her doing her jazz exercise and you know her focusing on her work and like she went the other direction where like really everything's great herself, oh yeah. no these dates aren't working out because i mean in this theory of this discussion it's probably since they broke up it's probably been at least a year and a half like um when they had that big fight yeah so since she broke up with her boyfriend it'd been maybe a couple of weeks and she bumped into harry and they became friends you had that christmas montage and new years so it's probably been like maybe a year yeah and by the sounds of the discussion, it's been a year and she hasn't had sex with anybody. And she and like that kind of like you haven't had a any kind of relationship in a year. So it's very interesting that both of them were like, he's like, I'm sad, 
I messed up. I'm just going to have lots of meaningless sex. While hers is like, no, everything's great. I'm just looking for the right person. I'm, 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 it was, it was amicable. We both decided as adults. And then you see like, they both have their just complete blow up. Whereas like, yeah. Yeah. In different ways. Um, which was interesting. So again, to see Mm. sort of two people. Um, do you have a favourite scene in this film, Kate? I'm going to ask you this as well, Andrew, but I feel it's fair to ask Kate because she's seen this film multiple times. Uh, oh, oh, there are like, so many. Is there a specific moment that just, speaking from a comedic angle, because this film is this got so funny. Many. It yes. is very funny. Um, is, there, is there anything that really jumps out at you as being like, this is amazing? Um, a different, um, different elements, I guess. Um, my first thing that stands out for... Um, when they both realise that they're falling for each other, the first New Year's when they're dancing and they're dipping. Mm. That was very, very sweet. That is very sweet. Um, and both of them realising and freaking out. And so well shot because it's just them cheek to cheek spinning and you see their facial reactions change with each and rotation. Like, yeah. You can see the clocks turning yeah. in their heads. And then both yeah. of them freaking out about it and yeah. then just ignoring it. And I was like, cool, that's the rest of the movie. That's which, them going like, oh. Which, which again is somewhat reflective of the relationship <laughs> Ellen and I had because we did that thing of ignoring these feelings that we had for each other for quite some time. Yeah, um, which I, I thought was really great um uh i loved um i love them walking around and talking them at the shops like just figuring out what to buy yeah um and him spitting the pits out it was hilarious <laughs> yeah just i'll wind the window down um <laughs> yeah uh, god that was so they good. don't <laughs> and also the like yeah, the money they don't make Sunday, why? Because of God. Because of God. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's hilarious. Um, every time, he's not going to leave her. Nobody thinks he's going to leave her. Mm-hmm. I know, and you're right, you're, you're right, right, you're right. Leave her. And it's just like, and that went on for like a couple of years, and everyone's, mm. and I was just like, that is amazing. Mm. Um, Andrew, did you have one that jumped out as being? Uh, I, I think the cross-talk phone conversation that's with, with Marie and Jess in, in yeah. bed and, and Harry and Sally calling them up separately. And like, but you could follow, you could still follow both conversations. Yeah. Uh, it was so well edited and so well acted. Yeah, for me, just looking through my list, uh, the one that really jumps out, aside from obviously the fake orgasm diner scene, yeah. which we should touch on in a second. <laughs> uh, I think the thing that made me laugh the most was um, just after Harry's gotten divorced and he's discussing the his divorce. Mexican they keep, yeah, they keep having to do Mexican <laughs> waves while he's getting more and more upset because they're at this sports game. And God, when that was I so funny. When I saw the start of the scene, I'm at the, the, watching the football, I just sat and like, looked at both of you. I was like, I was like, yeah, there was a few times in the movie where I was like, guys, watch this scene, watch yeah, this scene. Yeah, there sometimes you, you could... We could just feel you get excited. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many of them. Like I, I should have written them down because yeah. there are ones where mm. I'm like, oh, I know, I know that this is going to happen. Mm. Um, well, let's touch on the the diner scene, the the mm. the the famous, the me- the famous diner scene because yep. there's a couple of diner scenes. Um, the fake orgasm diner scene. Knowing that it was coming up. I'm not sure. I, I, the thing is, is it's, it's the thing you know about this film. Yeah, because you guys had really no context. It was like, oh, this yeah. is the famous fake dinosaur yeah, know, yeah. orgasm scene. All, yeah, yeah, all I know is that I, she was essentially proving a point about the fact that women can fake orgasms. Mm. Um, but with the context of everything that's come before, the thing that... I, I want to see if you agree with this, Andrew. The thing that made me go, I get why this is such an important scene, is because it is arguably 
the biggest power play that Sally does 100%. in the film. Because Harry spends the entire film from the very first, like the, the first diner scene, yeah. talking about how much he knows so much about sex and how you have to have good sex. And then at this point in the film, she's like, you clearly have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And like shows off that he doesn't. And I love that they that happens and he's just like, okay. Yeah. And then that's like, they don't continue the conversation. That's the well, same. And yeah, and I think that's really important as well because it, it's important for why that relationship works because he kind of respects the fact, well, I think he fully respects the fact yeah. that mm. she has proven him wrong. And I also like the fact he doesn't then stand up and be a jerk and storm off. Go, he's like, yeah, just kind of silently thing. accepts that, like, yeah. yep, I guess but I was al- wrong. But also what's hilarious, when you look at the rest of the film, that conversation, that dialogue conversation never happens again. Yeah. Like yeah. throughout the movie, it was always like relationships, sex, blah, blah, blah. And then it was at that point, it was just never brought up. Like, cause he yeah. was like, cool, I'm right. You're, you're right. I'm probably wrong. Mm. Let's yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's a real <laughs> turning point for the characters, especially like reflective of that first diner scene. Mm. Yeah. Showing how, like, cause at that point, Sally would have never done something no. like that, that outgoing mm. and, embarrassing the entire time watching it, I'm, yeah, like, I'm like oh my oh god my. all these people but, but she's not embarrassed at all but she's yeah. not yeah it's it's fantastic and then of course brilliant line I'll have what she's having which Just, is an amazing line it's so well done especially because it's an older woman yeah <laughs> the, the other scene just on going for the notes and reflecting um, which I actually really like but for non-comedic reasons is when he it starts off comedic when he's phoning her and leaving messages and he leaves the karaoke message yeah and then she essentially says, I'm not interested in being your consolation prize. Yeah. And I think that is actually the crucial kind of like instigating third act final mm. moment for him because then he goes off and does a big self-reflexive... He's a, he, he hits a crossroads at that point where she goes, I'm not interested in being your consolation prize. And, you know, she's not, she, she's not outright saying, you need to man up and choose me or nothing, but that's what the choice becomes for Harry. Yeah. Is then he is forced to go and spend that time, that holiday period, actually reflecting on this. Yeah, it's like, do you want me because you want a relationship or do you want me because you're lonely? And because I've we, always been here. And I've always been there yeah. for you. And mm. I think that's really important. And that's, yeah. Yeah, it was heartbreaking, but also mm. important. Like, yeah. again, it was very much like, this is what I want and we can't go back that that's yeah not yeah and you have to make yeah well choice. it's it they, they have it point where they can't go back because when they when he's trying to instigate oh you know we need to talk at the at the wedding of their friends yeah. she's having none of it because because as he's saying you're treating it like it's nothing we well, are treating it like it's everything and the fact of the matter is for sally at that point she's like no it's either we're together or we're not and which then feeds into when he does that declaration of love and she just tells him that she hates him um, <laughs> before they start kissing. It's so brilliantly structured. Yeah. It's it's just a delight. Yeah, which um, another scene that I did like was um, the the uh, pitting, the batting cage. Yeah. yeah. The batting <laughs> the cage. like, are you done yet? He's like, what were you talking about? Oh, growth. You were growing. growing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, it was like to see two guys going like, I don't know, I can just talk to her. I was like, yeah, and that's really good. But um, going back to the final New Year scene, again, putting that twist on, like just a little bit on the romantic comedy, they have the big kiss. Every traditional film, it would have the big thing yeah, and everyone's celebrating and then it would go to 
the monologues of them on their wedding with the music playing, yeah. right? If they had, you know, if they're going. With I, the I was so the glad they didn't show that. Yeah. Yeah, um, but instead they did the kiss, and then they just had a bit of a chat afterwards. Like, yeah. what, well, it, what's no, with this song? It becomes. Oh yes. Yeah, it, like what's what? what well, I've they do always the same wondered. Thing. They just, what they've they always done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then it goes to them on on the couch, just talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, we had a wedding. It was pretty good. Yeah, but I like that they showed that little convers. I love that they showed. You know, Harry just going, I never understood this song. And her just going, it's about old friends. And that kind of... The thing that I really like about that is that it shows that that friendship has survived. Yeah. Which, again, kind of both proves and disproves the point of Harry at the beginning, where he's like, you can't be friends because the sex gets in the way. Yeah. And I think for Harry, it's about him learning that you can be friends with someone and also be intimate and close with them. Yeah. And also for... Sally, I think what that conversation does because she almost starts like she almost starts like laughing out of relief that Harry hasn't changed just because they've started having this relationship. Exactly because when they've had sex, he was completely different. And well, it's because he he's regressing yeah, to his, his was, old ways. He was like, "Oh, I've got to go. You know, we'll have dinner and kiss her on the forehead." And you can see it her whole face. She's like, "I know oh exactly my God. what this is." Because they're friends. Yeah. He's spoken in deep detail about what he would do yeah. after a one night stand, mm-hmm. and now she's in the bed going. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm a one night stand. Oh Mm. my god! Like, um, and Mm. yeah, that full regression of going, I can't. Even though, yeah, yeah, Mm. it's just a very, very good film. Would you guys like some trivia about when Harry met? I love trivia, and I'm gonna eat while I listen. Oh, is it? What is that? It's ham and cheese. Um, you know what they what cheese. uh, I don't know the call. You know, um, you you know the ham. Yeah, yeah, like a ham and cheese roll. Bap scroll. It's like you know, it's like a bread roll, and it's got cheese and, and bacon mm. bits, and uh, they put that on the top of the roll, and then they toast it. Can you make that, but put all the ham to the side on a separate plate, and then put all the cheese also to the side? <laughs> and on only a separate if it's plate. perfectly aged cheddar. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's not perfectly aged cheddar, don't bother heating it up. Man, he, he gave like a lot of crap, but she knew what she wanted. Again, in the mm. end of the film, uh, she knew what she wanted, and yeah. it was like, if you don't have it, then I don't want it. So, mm. yeah. According to the screenwriter Nora Ephron, the infamous I'll have what she's having line was a suggestion from Billy Crystal. (laughs) Uh, The actress that uh, says the line is the director's mother. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he he got his, it's a, he was just like, mom, I'm going to get you in the film. I'm going to get you to say this line. And she did. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was just, what I really liked about the delivery of that line was it was almost nonchalant in a sense yeah. Yeah, I mean a lot of this film felt natural that particular line felt very natural yeah. mm. where it was like yeah we, we get where that lady's at um, in the museum scene Billy Crystal uh, ad-libs but I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie um, which as Kate was telling us as we were watching it was an improvisation Meg Ryan laughs and looks to her right where the director Rob Ryan is silently prompting her to keep going <laughs> like ooh mm. Uh, the orgasm scene was filmed at Cat's Deli, which is an actual restaurant in New York's Houston Street. Uh, the table at which the scene was filmed now has a plaque on it that reads, Where Harry Met Sally. Hope you have what she's had. Yeah, so many people sit in those seats. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine so. I would hate working there. Oh, or being be a local, I'd, I'd hate it. There'd but... be so many places in New York, though, that you just can't go. Yeah. Oh, you'd be surprised. I, we, uh, when Alan and I were in New York a few years back, we went on like a bus tour, and one of the places that it stopped for lunch was the diner from Men in Black. Oh, yeah. And you can see, and like, it looks like it was from the film because okay. it was an actual diner, and they kept. It but the same they're seats. not like over busy or anything. No, no, it was perfectly normal. Food was 
food wasn't even that great. It was perfectly fine. <laughs> it was it was really just like a normal diner experience. Yep. It wasn't terrible, I should point out. It was just like it wasn't like, oh my god, this is the best food ever and it's all men in black themed. It was just like a normal diner. Yeah. yeah. It was great. That's cool. In a radio interview with National Public Radio in 2004, Nora Ephron uh, credited Meg Ryan not only with the idea of faking an orgasm, but also with the idea of having that scene take place in a restaurant. Nice. So that was that was all Maggie Ryan, apparently. Good call. Mm. Well, that's what I liked about the movie is that um, Nora Ephron wrote it. She's amazing. Mm. Um, and then Rob Reiner gave ideas of... Because really, because they're friends. Okay. And so she was like... Look, it'd be great to see more of the guy's perspective, but I have no idea what you guys would talk about. Mm. So uh, he, he helped. He helped and, gave yeah. help give the the dude information and going. Mm. Okay, well, probably be more like this and stuff mm. like that. And then same with the actors of yeah. going like to make it feel more natural. Yeah. And, and I think that it definitely yeah. comes across. And Harry and Sally are based on um, Rob Reiner and on Nora Ephron. Mm. Um, Rob Reiner had just gone through a like quite horrible divorce. Uh, while he was making this film, that's so one of the reasons that feels so like connective, yeah, and, like, yeah. Real. Um, and likewise, uh, the concept of Sally being a picky eater is based on Nora Ephron. Uh, she's a very picky eater, and years after the movie came out, she was on a plane and ordered something very precise, and the stewardess <laughs> looked at it and said, "Have you ever seen the film When Harry Met Sally?" <laughs> <laughs> but that's again another thing that makes it so real, and I think that's why maybe originally, naturally, they thought, "Oh, well, they won't end up together because." Because, yeah, funnily friendship. enough, it's actually based on a friendship with no romantic... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Hollywood was like, nah. Yeah. Um, which, again, I'm very happy that they narrowed mm. it. Because... Um, uh, but I guess that's a whole other discussion of when you do have um, friends and you get along with people and people go like, yeah, you too. Oh, sorry. You I should be in a relationship. Why, why aren't you in a relationship? Yeah. And mm. I think it sort of comes from... Watching that movie and going like, but they're compatible while mm. Rob, you know, and Nora didn't have that. So mm. um, the interview at the end between, uh, well, with Harry and Sally uh, talking about their wedding, that was completely improvised as well. Mm. So all the stuff about the, the cake and the how chocolate the, the chocolate side. had to be on the side <laughs> was all improvised. Yeah. And that's just glorious. Director Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron, the screenwriter, chose beautiful locations to highlight the character's lack of insight. Uh, Harry and Sally are as blind to romance as they are to the love growing between them. The same logic was used for Harry's apartment. The windows overlook the Empire State Building, which can be viewed as either the loveliest or loneliest view in the world. Mm. Just just good cinematography. Nice yeah, yeah, I mean, again, like that classic, I think there was this movie... Had Zac Efron or whatever, and this romantic about musical. like, <laughs> no, about this romantic about oh, we're friends, and literally the cover of the movie is them walking in Central Park with the leaves, and it was like shot for shot, and I was yeah. like, not even I, we get it, we know what you're trying to evoke, <laughs> mm. and like, uh, there are just so many beautiful shots yeah. in that, like. I love when they're having a conversation and, and she's actually helping Harry fill his house up with stuff because yeah. he's slowly getting over this emptiness, the literal emptiness of his apartment and this yeah. divorce, and she's helping him put it together. Mm. Um, it, it's just, yeah, yeah some really lovely... beautiful. Some great imagery. Again, showing, uh, but not telling. Showing. It's, the whole movie is showing, not telling. Yeah. Like, there's so much dialogue, but it's not... It's, tell, it's showing their relationship and who they are and how they grow as people, yeah. not actually saying. The only telling part at the end is when he confesses his love for her. Mm. Like that is really, you can see it throughout the movie when she would 
be doing stuff and or he would be doing stuff and the way that they would look at each other or mm. interact with each other or that there was a connection there they didn't have to say yeah anything. and most of the, the the what you could call telling throughout the rest of the film is them telling each other how they think the other person is feeling yeah or how they should be going. harry's in a really uh, maybe just don't yeah. yeah let him down oh you're sally she's really sensitive at them yeah. they're always talking oh, how do you think their other relationship oh i don't you know yeah they're mm. very much well actually not looking at which what's which going on for them de- tells more about their own characters rather yeah. than and how they feel about each other spurting and... stuff to the audience yeah. yeah and we were kind of only really told the only thing we were definitely told about that we didn't see was their wedding which yeah. was at the end yeah. and that's also because we didn't need to see it that, no yeah it was beautifully done um so the title of this film is when harry met sally but it took them a long time to come up with the title oh really um yeah and nora efron um also said in interviews years afterwards that the title was the one thing she was never happy with um, they, I think it's an amazing title. Well, here are some alternate titles. And I, I want you to tell me how much you are, how much worse you think they are, because I don't think any of these titles are as good as when Harry met Sally. I think um, I think that title works. Uh, so here are some of the alternate titles. Um, Just friends. Wow, well, that's another film. That's yeah, the, the uh, that film. movie was like, huh? Playing melancholy baby. Just sounds like word salad. Playing melancholy. <laughs> is it? Is that based on the charades game? No. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, boy meets girl. Again, that was another movie title that was used was in a. TV a show. What was a TV show? But in well, like boy another. Meets world. Um, boy meets world. No, boy meets uh, girl is like a. Um, Really bad. Look, trust me, I've seen all the teen coming <laughs> of age. Like, it's where they body swap. Right. And like, here's a popular jock and they live next door and she's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was like circa 2006. It's terrible. Okay. There, was a, there was a lot of those body swap films for like a 10 a year time. period. How mm. well some men and women meant to know each other. Mm. They have to... Literally magic. Yeah. Literally magic. <laughs> um, Blue Moon. Good good beer, bad blue title. Blue Moon. Mm. As in like once in a blue moon, moon, I'm guessing is what they're going for. Yeah, there. I don't hate it, but it's it just evocative. doesn't, it doesn't, it's not evocative of the film. Mm. I feel like if it was more of a sad movie. I like when Harry met Sally because it's it's like, this is just a film about people. When they met. Mm. Blue Moon feels like more artistic. Like artistic and... uh, the next one is Words of Love. Ugh. Nah. Eh. Uh, that sounds like a... Like the sequel to the notebook or something. Mm. Sorry. What did he write in his notebook? He wrote these words, words of, of love. love. Uh, it had to be you. Nah. It's yeah, right. like that. That's good. I, you know what? That I don't hate that. I don't hate it either. Because I mean, that's the song that they use in the movie. Mm. Um, I feel like though now, that would be a movie that would have Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks in it. It's really funny you say that. Because they were in a lot of romantic comedies. Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, He thought the film was too lightweight. Whatever, Tom. (laughs) Whatever, Tom Hanks. Then he realised what a mistake he made and cashed in for two subpar. Mm. Sorry, Slitless in Seattle. You're creepy as (laughs) And so is You Got Mail. All right, those two films. Although You Got Mail is Nora Ephron, though. Yeah, and it it's not creepy, but it, it's one of those, like, that one's definitely more on the trope of, like, cliches where they got to know each other not knowing who they were. Mm. And it was this kind of, you you run the big bookstore and I run little bookstore. Oh, book that one, yeah, You yeah. lied. Like, it has that more of that Hollywood trope yeah. in it. Yeah, where but, men have to lie to be friends with yeah. women. But yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, mm. 
is creepy. I've never I, seen it. I've not okay. seen it either. The premise of the film. Okay, I'm sorry. The premise of the film is that um, is that um, she lives in Seattle, or whatever, and he lives in New York or something like that. One of them lives in the thing, mm. and it sleeps in Seattle because she listens to a lot of that nighttime midnight radio, or whatever. Right. And Tom Hanks is a boy, uh, and he's a widow. Oh no. Um, and the boy calls up because it's this like midnight relationship advice, mm. and this boy calls up this doctor. Fraser Crane, I don't hmm. know, um, about <laughs> yeah, about like his dad, about how his dad needs somebody and everybody thought that that was adorable and mm. it sort of became one of those like, oh, that's so popular because mm. everyone loved it. Like a pre-internet meme. Pre-internet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, viral video. Yeah. Um, and so he was sort of put on the radio station, like I, th- I think he was or his kid just spoke about it. Meg Ryan's character hears this and through the radio, never meeting him, falls in love with this guy, mm-hmm. right? Travels to where he is, mm-hmm. sees him from across the road, hides behind and a car. And murders him. <laughs> no. Um, but okay. then they, well, they then do, I don't understand this film. <laughs> then they do the whole, like, meet on top of the Empire State Building. that Because uh-huh. it was because of that famous movie where these characters meet. Mm. And she's going to be there and then the kid, he really wants this relationship to happen. I don't know mm. why. And he and then Tom Hanks, the kid goes up there because he's like, you have to meet her, you have to. Like, I know that she's perfect for you or whatever. And Tom Hanks is like, oh, no. And he goes up at the, the thing and they meet at the Empire State Building. And she throws them off the building. <laughs> and they walk off together. Like, the first time they actually have They walk off the Empire the State the Building? building. <laughs> <laughs> Into the lift. The first time they actually have a proper conversation is at the end of the film. I think maybe they have one other interaction. I've probably generalized some of the stuff. But when I rewatched it as an adult, I was like, if this was, if Meg Ryan was a dude, Mm. This is a psycho film. If she was Ryan Mag, there'd be a big yeah. issue. Yeah, but also like if he wasn't into her, like it would be it would be, be like, cruel um, in, uh, cruel intentions no, or not thank cruel intentions. You. Yeah, it was just weird. It was a weird film. There's a lot of weird romantic comedies out there though. Yeah, there are, but yeah. uh, Tom Hanks tried to make up for it. But I'm glad he said no because Billy Crystal is perfect in this. Yeah, like they're yeah. both like Meg Ryan's beautiful, but. They're both normal looking. Yeah. Like yeah. she's gorgeous. Like she's like She's attractive. She's attractive. Yeah. Which you're, causes the whole problem yeah. to begin with. You're objectively attractive. <laughs> That's just me, you know. Um but, yeah, but they're like they're normal all just looking. Did as people. I yeah. think Tom Hanks would have been too He's too movie star. He's too and also he would have been too nice. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like he goes, there's not enough meat weight to it. I'm like I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, one, I don't believe him saying some of the lines that Billy Crystal does. I can believe Billy Crystal playing a jerk. And two, at some point, Tom Hanks would do that thing he does in every film where he shouts in the Tom Hank voice. Mm. Oh, yeah. Where, which, I, again, it came up when we did Forrest Gump the other week, but even when he's doing an accent, he can't help it. And he slips into the buzz, that, that, that particular shout, yeah. where yeah. he's just like, oh, there's Tom. Every, every, <laughs> actor, every actor has a tick. Mm. Right? Yeah. David Tennant has, has his well. Point. Yeah. He could be doing Shakespeare and he'll do his well, mm. where it's like, to the audience on my shoulder. And he goes, well. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Shakespeare, he'll do it. Like, mm. it's just, every actor has a tick, but mm. Tom Hanks is loud. When yeah, it's Tom Hanks is loud shout. Um, Rob Reiner obviously going through uh, post-divorce things and putting a lot of that into this film, then met his current wife while making this film. Oh. That's because this film brings people together. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Hawk, in which case. 
He's going to... I hope he never listens to this. I'm, I didn't bring him up. No, no, Hulk, 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 if you're listening, um, it's perfectly fine. Why do you fine. hate love? Yeah, yeah, why do you hate love? That's <laughs> <laughs> no, I love you, Hulk. You're, you're one of my favorite human beings. Mm-hmm. But why do you hate love? <laughs> um, when posed the film's central question, can men and women just be friends, Meg Ryan replied... This is the actors, not not the characters. Meg Ryan replied, Yes, men and women can just be friends. I have lots of platonic male friends, and sex doesn't get in the way. Billy Crystal says... I'm a little more optimistic than Harry, but I think it is difficult. Men basically act like stray dogs in front of a su- supermarket. I do have platonic women friends, but not best, best, best friends. Yeah. I think that's kind it's, of interesting. Yeah. That how they kind of reflected what their characters ended up. Yeah, being. not quite as extreme, but mm. yeah. I think that can be harder. Like, uh, yeah, I can sort of get that. Mm. Uh, Nora Ephron supplied the structure of the film uh, with much of the dialogue based on the real-life friendship between the director, Rob Reiner, and Billy Crystal. For example, in the scene where Sally and Harry appear on a split-screen talking on the telephone whilst watching Casablanca, um, this was reflecting something that Crystal and Reiner did almost every night during the production. They oh, that's great. See, mm. because it's genuine friendship. Yeah, um, yeah that's important. Mm. I'd love to see like a, a proper m- male friendship movie. Uh, bad boys one and two that's yeah, <laughs> one that doesn't involve like killing people and like and really bad uh, and hooking up homosexual with... jerks yeah yeah mm. oh man mm. so many movies we're like oh yeah. um but i think it would be good to see like healthy friendships in films like without it necessarily being romantic uh the lord of the rings trilogy frodo yeah. and sam thank you very much Your best friends Right. That is true. I don't. I, I've only watched the first one. No spoilers, guys. That <laughs> uh, they, they 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 stay friends for they, most of those films. Yeah, um, but I I thought a lot of people like shipped them. Is it just because they're good friends, or is there actual chemistry? Uh, uh, there's great chemistry between the actors. I believe that uh, a ship is in the eye of the beholder. Um, mm. But there's there isn't a point where like they they get it on or anything. No, like, it's just like no. they love each other very much, and they would literally because in for the each first other. movie, I was like, they're awesome friends. Yeah, like I didn't read anything into it, so. Mm. But I, I think it's because they get separated from the rest of the group. And uh, it's and just spend, the two of them, yeah. like, buddy-copping across uh, Mordor. Mordor and Middle-earth. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. Molly Ringwald was offered the role of Sally, but was uh, forced to decline due to a busy schedule. Now, this would have been prime uh, Ringwald yeah. time for mm. post-Breakfast Club. But she later went on to play the character in the stage version in 2004. Yep, that's there's a cool. stage version, I and know. I want to see it. I don't know how good it would be because a cinematography holds such a whole, like, such a strong part of the film, but, but so it's such a dialogue-heavy. Dialogue. Yeah. So it would be interesting. Especially because, like again... It was before, you know, mobile phones and stuff like that. So that kind of messaging each other and emails like that, it was either on the phone or face-to-face and they managed to show that phone. Yeah. Mm. And you can do that very easily on stage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of phones, the scene where we have the four-way phone conversation um, took quite some time to put together. So they had three separate sets because of where all the actors were. And Rob Reiner explained they had uh, Bruno and Carrie on one set and on separate sets there were Billy and Meg. Um, It was all on the same soundstage and it was almost like doing a recording in a studio. The phones were all hooked up to each other because there's no cuts. Um, So if someone made a mistake, it's a three, four page scene, you can't cover it. So you can't cut away. So they had to get it right. So they had to do it again. So they were filming it live. They didn't film them separately. Like in separate places. Yeah, but that's that's happening live. And they're actually... just next to each other the yeah. way the way it is um so they did that 61 times to get it right um it's a long day 
uh, if you remember at the end, they hang up the phones, boom, 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 in rhythm. Uh, it took forever to get right. We did one, I think, around about take 54, thinking we did it, but then Bruno blew his last line, so we had to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And everyone was like, for sake. I bet you they were ready to write by that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the final bit of trivia, before filming the fake orgasm scene, uh, Rob Reiner demonstrated the scene in front of the entire cast and crew including his mother Estelle who would then say that that's what I'll have what she's having you know what that's That's a good move as a director because Mm. like that is such a you know you'd want to feel comfortable on set and to be like this is Woody Allen doing that no Mm. um and I and I think especially yeah just making someone feel comfortable Mm. doing that and making those noises to be like no one to make a joke out of it while you're filming on set because you gotta stay profesh yeah, and as as funny as it is seeing Meg Ryan do it, seeing Rob Reiner do it beforehand would probably help your extra. I wish they had recordings of that. It would probably help. It <laughs> oh, would, it would help the extras to yeah, not break. That would be the because the extras didn't break. They were amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and but yeah, I'd love if they had that uh, behind the scenes. I wouldn't somewhere. be surprised if at their like cast and crew party that someone has it. Someone it's it. somewhere. Yeah, and I I hope it I hope it exists. Yeah. Like, well, Rob Reiner, if you're listening in and you got a copy, uh, just flick us an email. Uh, info. We get a free Patreon subscription. Yeah. All that remains is to score the film. Uh, Andrew, we're going to start with you because oh. it was your first time watching the film. What would you give When Harry Met Sally out of ten? I would give When Harry Met Sally seven point eight autumn walks through the park out of ten. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's such a good thing. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking of it yeah. for like the past twenty minutes. I was like, I was like, oh no! What I know I... every time we get to the score, I, I scramble for what I'm gonna say. Is it a thing like, for the film? Mm. I'm like, so you enjoyed it? I did. I really enjoyed this film. Mm. Yeah. Would you watch it again? I would watch it again. Yes. Not immediately. I think this is like in every couple of years. I wouldn't yeah. mind mm. chucking it on. Yeah. Uh, Kate, what about you? Um, I would say it's definitely. A nine, Billy Crystal, um, in overalls. I really liked his suspenders. <laughs> Every time that mm. uh, that that um charade scene, and he's yeah. in like yeah. his oh, yeah. rolled up sleeves and his yeah. suspender outfit. It's a good look. It's a good look. I love it, and mm. I forget that he's super old now. <laughs> like, I was like, looking up. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm I like, like wow. oh, wow, Billy Crystal. You, you sort of, because mm. I think when you're used to old actors, when mm. you see them in young films, they their face still looks old. You're like, yeah. you still look old. But then it's that one section in that one bit of the film where he's just in the overalls and they're just at the thing. And I was like, damn, Billy. Do you prefer him with beard or without beard? With beard. Mm. I'm going to agree. I, I yeah, love him I with agree. a beard. It's, it's a good look. It was important for him to shave it because it showed, you know, that he was getting out of a yep. like of a slump. Yeah. Um, you know, also age and time. But mm. Billy looks great with a beard. He does. He does, he's even a... now in his old age. But again, because, you know, his face has changed and yeah. stuff like he's that. A... He's gotten older, that happens. Yeah. yeah. It's allowed, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, for me, I really like this film. Um, and it's one of those films, and whenever I'm considering giving a film a high score, I always ask, is there a way that they could have made this film any better uh, and looking at it from a writing perspective from how it's shot from the performances I don't think this film could have been made any better than it was I think 30 years on uh, it shows mm. a remarkable strength of text um, and I had an absolute blast watching it so I'm going to give it 
10 sad Mexican waves wow. out of 10. I, I was thinking of giving it 10, but I thought, oh, is that too generous? I love that you said 10. I've been sort of umming and ahhing over it for most of this review because it, it's always difficult with a film that you've really enjoyed doing Whether these to reviews. be critical, like right after well, well, about giving like a score. Yeah, without going, oh my God, I love it. 10 out of 10, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, and similarly, if it's a film I didn't like, it's always a case of going through the discussion and going, what didn't I like? Mm. But having discussed everything about this film and having seen the fact that I really engaged with the characters, the fact that the two central performances were great, I don't mm. think anyone in the sort of surrounding supporting cast looked out of place. No. I, the dialogue is amazing it's so well written there's obviously improvised sections which don't feel out of place with which what's i written. hate because i mean we had a whole lot of, we're starting a conversation about like comedy now and films yeah. and stuff and yeah you don't see the improv out of place because yeah it's no, so, so well many written. modern films improv like the improv scene to stick oh, out like a sore it's disgusting i hate it yeah it's but it's one of these things where um i just I, I might have to go back and rewatch it and maybe I'll find something where I go, aha, there is a flaw. <laughs> but I honestly don't think this film could have been made any better at the time. And I think the messages that it conveys, the performances it has, and just the fact it's funny. Not it's a lot funny. of romantic comedies are that funny. No. Yeah, really this good. one is genuinely hilarious. And that's what I mean. Like a lot of romantic comedies try to, I think it was the same with like John Hughes, like those teenage coming of age films. Yeah. And I think it's the same with Nora Ephron and When Harry Met Sally. Mm. These people were trying to make these films to capture something and actually missed the whole point of what the movies were about. Yeah. And they missed the humour. Like, they missed the the witty dialogue. The naturalistic The naturalistic, humor. yeah. Mm. And even though it is quite fictionalised, I mean, that she's a successful journalist in New York. Yeah. Right? Um, her apartment's small, but it's nice. Like, she lives in a good area. Yeah. He's a lawyer. He's a political advisor. Yeah, but again, you don't even know what they do. They have very sitcom Like they do have that sort of their life is good, you know, Mm. but it still feels so real because of how the actors portray it and how. um, I mean, also it was the eighties. Everyone was doing pretty well. Um, Well, not everyone, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) the eighties was pretty dark. But they were all white and straight, and so they were having a grand old time in America in the eighties. But you know, mm. um, yeah, it still felt very real. I think a lot of romantic comedies missed the whole point of yeah. what When Harry Met Sally was about. Because, um, yeah. again, just to conclude, um, I when I watched Annie Hall a few years ago, I enjoyed it. When, I, when we watched The Wedding Singer recently a few months ago, I enjoyed it. But neither of those films, or indeed a lot of the other romantic comedies, whilst they make me, whilst I felt good watching them or, or felt like I was enjoying them, they didn't feel completely authentic yeah and this feels quite close to to my own personal experience in relationships and to my experience with friends who've been in relationships and and just what that aspect of life is like i really like the fact that this film really kind of leans hard on the please tell me i never have to date anyone again (laughs) yeah that whole that whole aspect and uh, now that i'm like i'm 25 i'm still i'm young like Mm. i'm not still like watching it like i think the more as i get older and like seeing these characters Mm. and also because i've got friends from like 25 to 30 upwards so like seeing those characters grow it does i Mm. 
I, I think I'm starting to realise, even though it's been 30 years. Fine, the clock doesn't start really ticking to your 36. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. even then, that's a bit of a lie, guys. Yeah. Just, just so you know, it's, uh, yeah, you really need to look up um, fertility facts because the drop-off rate for fertility rates in women are not as high as have been previously claimed. No. That's drastic. Um, oh, and don't freeze your eggs, that stuff's bollocks. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know. It's that's, just been it's a like PSA a whole, by Stephen Platt. Yeah. It is a whole thing, but I do like it. And I, it's a wonderful film. I think it's a great film. And that's why I sort of kept saying it's the best romantic comedy of the 20th century because I, I think it I think it is the best. I was polite mm. throughout the whole thing. Oh, it's one of the best. I think for Hollywood, this is the best 20th century romantic mm. comedy. And I always say 20th century because I want there to be another one. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a great story, but I think it was because it, it twisted something that people weren't looking at in the 70s and 80s. They weren't mm. looking at friendship in a real way. They weren't looking at men and women Seeing a relationship as an equal. It's not mm. Humphrey Brogart grabbing a woman and going like, I love you, like that mm. kind of, you know, it was like, here are these two equals. And I would like to see a new romantic comedy and a new romantic story. I mean, Love, Simon, and To All the Boys I Loved Before, you, you're seeing these coming-of-age films that are telling a different point of view. Mm. And I would like the next generation of a When Harry Met Sally type story that I think is reflective of our time, mm. that in 30 years people go, oh, well oh, there's some stuff there, but the core of it is important because we're telling different mm. stories. So. But When Harry Met Sally is arguably the only film really of its type from the 1980s, arguably even the 1990s as yeah, well. because they all just so, tried to copy it. Okay. So it's, it's, it's that case of going, those sorts of films are quite rare. Yeah. Um, so we may only get one or two, if that, depending on what gets put forward. But I... I just had a bloody good time. I, I agree. Time. Yeah. I love yeah. watching it. Uh, so, uh, Andrew and Kate, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for getting the dream team back together. Dream team. Dream team. Dream team. Dream team. Dream team. All right, guys. And if you want to hear more from the dream team, maybe uh, some stuff that may have been trimmed from this episode, uh, we do do bonus content where we include... Uh, Things that are exclusive only to our patrons. Uh, if you want to become a member of our Patreon patron, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and subscribe there. You know, you can you can subscribe for a, as little as a dollar a month. Only a dollar a month? Wow. Yeah. What a bargain. Exact. Thank you, Kate. And you get a load of bonus content, um, so please consider it. Uh, otherwise, if you just want to get in touch with us um, any other way, we're available on Facebook. You can just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And of course, make sure you are subscribed for your podcast providers to get a new episode each and every week. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. I wanted to say something yeah. in the film, <laughs> but I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything. I just really like the fact that you were waving. On this. <laughs> no, no, please like, see me. I'm like, bye. I think she's just telling us to get out of the house. No. <laughs>